Hello, good morning. How are you doing? Um, I'm so excited to begin this um, season of interaction with you and dialogue. I'm also so very honored to have you on board. Um, you are in for a swell time. You are in for a wonderful experience. I trust God to have amazing times and peaks and depths with you. Um, this conversation is meant to last for three months and it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be as lively as possible and it's going to be very um, informative and educative. Um, we're talking about Christian apologetics and like I pointed out earlier, that Christian apologetics is that brand of the Christian faith that is um, in charge with the responsibility of bringing logical sound and intellectual defense for the Christian faith. Many people think Christianity is opposed to um, reasoning, to thinking. So there's a way they look at Christians. When you talk about religion, the guy just automatically feels you are not smart. When you talk about, oh, you're a devoted Christian, the guy just thinks that, ah, this one is just one of those religious people that does not have sense, that is not smart, that is not witty. But they first understand that Christianity is actually a witty religion. Christianity is actually a very intellectually sound religion. So that although, um, there is faith in Christianity. Faith is not opposed to reasoning. Faith does not stop you from thinking. The Bible speaking, it said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Loving the Lord with your soul entails loving the Lord with your intellect, loving the Lord with your um, thinking faculty, loving the Lord with your brain. God does not expect us to pause our brain in loving him. And that's where apologetics come into place. And you can see it from the life of the apostles, from the life of Jesus, from the life of every church individual, that God did not deal with them outside their minds. Take for instance, God would have just come for the writers of scriptures, come upon Moses, and Moses would just be writing, Moses would not know what he's writing, and Pam. Moses has written the Old Testament, or an angel will just appear and carry a document and give to Paul, and that will be the letters of Paul. But God decided to inspire them to write. That means God did not do it outside their intellect, did not do it outside their wit, so that a person like Peter had the advantage to write more books of the Bible because he spent more time with Jesus. But he couldn't do that because he was not very educated enough. In fact, the books of the books Peter wrote, Peter actually detected them and the, his disciples wrote um, his disciples as Mark. Mark wrote the book of Mark. Mark also assisted Peter in writing the book of Peter. So Peter was talking or narrating and Mark was writing. But um, take a flip to Paul. God actually inspired him to write more because he was capable, he was educated, he was sound enough to do more. What is the point I'm trying to make? That Christianity does not make us dull. Instead, Christianity enhances our wits. Christianity enhances our wits. And that's where Christian apologetics comes from. Somebody used to say that an unprepared Christian makes an ethics seems a genius. Many atheists, they are saying many things that are not sound, that are not valid. I will explain subsequently. But they look very intelligent because they are just bragging and quoting a lot of jargons. But the truth of the matter is, A, P, 
prepared Christian, an average Christian that is prepared, can put over the mightiest atheist to fleet. A funny story that goes around is the story of Dr. Willan Craig debate with the four horsemen of atheism. The four horsemen of atheism are Richard Dawkins, Stephen Hawking, Sam Harris, and one other guy. When he was done with them, Sam Harris testified and said, Dr. William Craig puts the fear of God in the heart of every atheist. This is an atheist saying a Christian puts the fear of God in the act in the heart of every atheist. Isn't that funny and beautiful? So that's where Christian apologetics come. But you need to be trained, you need to be prepared. Like First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, which is the anchor scripture of Christian apologetics. It says, always be ready to present a logical defense for your faith with meekness and compassion. Always be ready. So the bone of contention lies in the believer preparing herself, building capacity, stretching your wits so that you will be ready in the day you will be that will be needed for you to present a case for the Christian faith. Um, Dr. Goggle used to say, sweat in private so that you will not bleed in public. What does it mean to sweat in private? It means do the necessary work in private so that the day you are called upon in public, you'll be able to stand firm and give a defense for your faith. You will not be able, you will not come to public and bleed. You will not come to public and um, shiver. You will not come to public and put your tails into your heels and run away because you have done your homework very well. And that's what we're going to be doing in the course of these three months. In the course of these three months, we'll look at different parts of Christian apologetics. First of all, there are basically two parts of apologetics. There's the offensive part and there's the defensive part. The offensive part deals with proving that God exists, proving the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and proving that Christianity is true, true prophecy and philosophy. The defensive part of apologetics entails um, defending the authority and reliability of the Bible, answering the problem of evil, and responding to Darwin evolution theory. Over the course of these three months, you are going to be getting weekly voice notes or messages from me. You are going to be getting bi-weekly book recommendation. So every week I send you a voice note, then bi-weekly I send you one book that you're supposed to read in two weeks. The books are easy, they are the best of the best, the books are easy to read and very simple to understand. All you have to just do is to put your mind to it and read the book carefully. Those books are to help to shape your mind and give found, firm foundations around the Christian faith. So you are going to get a bi-weekly book recommendation, weekly voice notes. Then subsequently, I think after the first three weeks, you begin to get video suggestion and tape suggestion so that when we start talking about defending God, I can give you short videos that have done the debate. So after you have read the book, there's going to be a video that have done the debate. All you have to do is to watch that video and try to remember the things you have read. That way, you will go. Then, there will also be weekly responding of questions. So, whenever you have any question, you just send in it. I respond to it. If I cannot, I bring in an expert to respond to your question. 
what are we going to be looking at within these three months we're going to be looking at logic first of all yes christianity is very logical do you know that the bible called jesus christ the word of god and translation of it is the logos of god logos is the root word for logic for, for logic so the bible actually called jesus christ the logic of god christianity is very logical the next point we're going to be looking for argument for the existence of god we're going to be looking at the real re- reliability of the bible why is can the bible sh- why is the bible trusted if the bible was written by men why should you trust the bible then we're also going to be looking at a case for christ a case for christ is jesus christ just a good moral teacher is jesus christ a prophet and is jesus christ the son of god or god as he claimed did he resurrect from the dead that's what we're going to be looking over the course of this week like i said we are in for a thrilling time um i want this voice note to stop at 10 minutes but this is just the outline of everything we're going to be doing within this next three weeks for this week um we'll be looking at logic i'll talk to you about the rules of logic and logical fallacy in a subsequent voice note between now and thursday and we're going to be reading uh, merry christianity by c.s lewis for our bi-weekly read i encourage us to do this and i encourage you to just give attention to reading of the book if you spend one hour a day reading the book you finish the book for two weeks god bless you great grace do have an amazing week thank you um good morning how you doing you may like to come your way again today um how's the reading of mary christianity going i actually choose that book for quite a number of reasons um first of all was that c.s lewis is one of the most foremost defender of the christian faith according to popular apologists uh, um, christian apologists um they term c.s lewis as the greatest christian apologist of the 20th century um also in the atheist world and in the philosophical world c.s lewis is seen as one of the finest and brightest minds is put alongside with people like um samuel smiles um and other great thinkers of the 20th century he had a way of communicating his reason in through flawless logic and that's the second point why i choose c.s lewis to be our first um, uh, reading c.s lewis um, applies his knowledge through flawless logic he tries to make his points logically airtight that somebody cannot easily penetrate it or break the point he's raising or he's defending the funny fact is that c.s lewis was actually an atheist till the university he was an atheist till um the university he became a christian in his 20s when um Tolkien and other people interacted with him they talked to him they brought the evidence for the christian faith and when they spoke he saw the evidence he saw the light god touched his heart and he became a christian so he's like a fine example of somebody that was that became a christian through christian apologetics it was so beautiful that um, you know this guy that wrote Lord of the Rings that's talking um, and C.S. Lewis decided to write stories and hide God in the narration of the stories so that's why Tolkien wrote um, 
the Lord of the Rings and C.S. Lewis also wrote Chronicles of Narnia. So in case you have seen any of those movies, they're actually Christian movies, but you will know. They wrote the movies hiding Jesus in the movies. So for instance, if you see Chronicles of Narnia, you will see Jesus as um, Aslan, the lion, Aslan, the lion. That's Jesus in the Chronicles of Narnia. While in the Lord of the Rings, you can find the Holy Spirit as Grand Death. The guidance that will help us reach our head and fulfill our purpose. The guidance that will help us reach and fulfill our purpose as um, the um, the Holy Spirit in the person of Gandalf. But that being on this side, I said that he makes his point air tight, logically air tight and sound. And I said we're going to do logic this week. So what is now logic? Logic simply means common sense logic simply means common sense and every day day in day out we do things that are logical we do things that are common sensual there's that expectation you expect from somebody that if i match you i should tell you sorry that's common sense you expect the person to be logical enough to say sorry to be diplomatic enough to say sorry so we do things that are very logical daily but the inverse point is that also daily we see things that are very illogical very things that don't balance and don't make sense to the to the normal mind and you wonder what's wrong with this guy what is why, why is this guy doing this for instance people look at the laws of science and intentionally violate those laws or defy those laws and they expect us to support them in a bit to be woke let me give you a very good example the um gender people with multiple gender from all forms of science any day any time gender is true it's actually the xs chromosomes or the xy chromosome xy is if you're a guy if you're a lady you're actually um, xs chromosome but somebody stood up and says that no he's not xx he's not xy that if he wants to identify by a different gender um, uh, um, group before it was six now it's like 99 people are identifying as whatever they do and you cannot just identify to be what you are not somebody you know when when men stood up and started identifying as fem- women we tried to stop them but they didn't listen to us they went for the women and define as men we start to stop them they didn't listen to us today we are at a point where now we are at a point where a man of 68 is identifying to be a girl of 13 it's, it's illogical it doesn't make any common sense and that's why logic is important because why you see remember i said in the last podcast that jesus christ is the logic of god is the logos of god so why you think christianity is beyond reasonable people cannot understand christianity no christianity is not ununderstandable christianity is very logical yes at some point christianity will transcend logic that means where logic stops christianity can go beyond but christianity can never go against logic and that's why it is important to understand the nature of our christian faith and that's why i gave you c.s lewis mere christianity what c.s lewis did in that book was to show the logic of the christian faith to show why the christian believes what the christian believes and in logic there are basically three laws of logic and also they are um logical fallacies i think i'll just share 10 logical fallacies with you and i'll expect questions from you and also feedbacks from the book any part of the book you did not understand you can bring it up we'll talk about it and 
I'll be able to straighten it out or maybe get the light you're sharing from the book. But I'm going to send you two more um podcasts that are very, very short, short. I think three minutes and six minutes. Um, one will talk about the laws of logic and the other will talk about logical fallacies so that we'll be able to do with this um, aspect of logic. Um, next week, we're going to be looking at the first um, defense for the Christian faith, the first defense for the Christian faith. So how to prove that God exists without using the Bible. Yeah, let me take this digression. Many of times, we we'll go and preach to people that are atheists and you start telling the man, John chapter this verse, this says this. You are being unfair to the man. The man doesn't believe in John and you're telling him John said this. It's just like a Muslim guy coming to you and he's telling you um, Surah 98 verse this in the Holy Quran says this. I, what do you do? What are you going to do to that guy? You are not going to take him serious. That's what happens to us every time we go to evangelism and we know that the people have no regards for God or somebody is proclaiming to be an atheist and you are using scriptures to talk to the person. At that point, what you ought to do, you should be able to say less scriptures that Say less scripture, like say, say less of John chapter this verse. That Matthew chapter. You can quote the scriptures without saying you are quoting from the Bible. You can make them as statements and bring them up to explain your position. But further than that, you can also explain the existence of God without necessarily quoting the Bible. And that's what we're going to do next week. I was able to bring you how you can defend your faith with your faith without quoting of scriptures, without opening the Bible, without saying Genesis this, John this, and you are able to make a valid, logical, and intellectual sound defense for your faith. The book of Romans chapter 1 says something. It said the invisible, um, the invisible um, works of God are clearly seen in creatures. The invisible works of God are clearly seen in creatures. So that if you can able to prove that God exists without necessarily quoting scripture, at that point you have start with the guy from a common ground. The next thing is the guy is accepting you, he's ready to listen to you. Then you cannot take him a step further and bring him to places that are not comfortable for him. But if you start from places that are not comfortable, what you are pushing for is contention, contention, arguments, and that's not good for anybody at any time. Thank you very much. God bless you. I said argument. I didn't mean Christians are not meant to argue. I just meant contenting arguments are not good for everybody. So thank you very much. God bless you.